Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Well, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Well, what a chirpy little good morning. Feeling good today. Feeling oh, good. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> with our gravel voice, with our gravel throats early in the morning. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't had my voice back for like six weeks. It's been crazy. Um, I know. Listeners are going to hear that chuckle you just did. It was sounded like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's cheery. But we're back. But we're back. We're back. We're back. Well, uh, we're going to continue on this, uh, this, this book notes, this book summary series that we've been doing. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of a book. You and I talked about this, gosh, probably years ago now. And um, I, I, I love some of the ideas we talked through. And I've actually realized in thinking about this book, I've sort of stepped away from it or, or, or have gotten a little less sharp in some of my, my thinking, um, particularly in my time at a previous company where I was doing a lot of this exercises. Um, but the book is the back of the napkin, mm-hmm. um, by Dan Rome. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty fascinating. I'm, I'm curious again, as we go through what, what your summary of the book would be and then why you think it's valuable, not just for anyone in general, but also, also believers. Um, so we, we can jump into that and uh, yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Well, first of all, for our vast listening audience, it's a, it's a very simple read and a quick read. Oh, good. Now I'm, now I'm going to say, well, maybe I'll read it now. <laughs> um, and it came out just about the time that I, and uh, I guess you'd call Providence of God, having grown up in, in, in uh, both in a collegiate ministry and then um, as a pastor and a church planner. But here I was uh, doing business consulting. You might think, well, why in heaven? How did that happen? It really happened uh, because uh, I happen to think that a great deal of stuff in the business world, uh, material and also approaches, don't really fit human nature, the way people uh, normally and naturally operate. And I remember one of the uh, and this kind of just came to me intuitively. I was talking to a CEO of a company and he was talking about all these statements they put on the wall, uh, vision and values and mission, rather lengthy mission statement. And I asked him, I said, uh, you know, I'm curious, uh, how much of this do you do at home? And he paused and he said, I would never do any of this at home. <laughs> and I said, so we inflict something on people at work that we would never do at home. You don't have a value statement on your wall and so on and so forth. So the next thing I knew, I'm getting uh, opportunities to help companies better understand you know, what they're about. At about that same time, I read uh, Dan Rome, R-O-A-M, Dan Rome's book, The Back of the Napkin. And I found it to just be fascinating. And so... Quickly, what the book is essentially saying is that if you can't write on the back of a napkin, or draw rather on the back of a napkin, a picture of what kind of business you're in, you don't know what kind of business you're in. And that's it in a nutshell. 
You can't draw simply on the back of a napkin. And what what business you're in? You don't know what business you're in. He he gives a couple examples or case studies yes. in his book, correct? Right. First one he gives is Herb Keller, who founded Southwest Airlines, and it actually was at a at a lounge or a bar or somewhere with an investor. And he simply took a napkin. You do a triangle. Uh, I think it was Houston, Dallas, and one other city in Texas. And he said, uh, and we're going to fly these uh, very short, quick flights, and uh, we'll be profitable on every flight and so on and so forth. But he just gave, drew this little triangle. And uh, the, the investors looked at it and said, well, that makes sense. And they invested. And the rest is history, as they say. Um, Southwest Airlines has been consistently a profitable and well-run airline. The other is um, Apple uh, actually in the past used to use a lot of the stuff by, uh, uh, called drawing with the right side of the brain. And in the same way, it employs the idea that if you can't uh, draw a picture of what kind of business you're in, you just don't know what kind of business you're in. So I, uh, so here's a couple of the takeaways from that. I really enjoyed the book. The, you can, you, you can, uh, okay, so first of all, I completely changed how I help uh, organizations do uh, strategic planning because for most it starts with, well, here's our vision and we write it out. Mm -hmm. And these uh, vision statements are usually what I call cobbled together by committee. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm picturing something I went through recently, actually, but several people in a room coming together and, uh, putting things on paper and uh, I'm cobbling together by you have this phrase here and maybe this word here from someone else and tweak this right. and yeah yeah so what you end up with is is a pretty it's a it is a complex it's actually what's called the difference between verbal communication and written written often uh, unintentionally mm -hmm. becomes more complex um, tries to be more come or, or more articulate but in doing so it actually piles words upon words and uh, i mean i've walked into churches before and seen the mission statement and uh for the life of me you know walking out i couldn't recall that statement mm -hmm. it was so lengthy had so many words well it's called cobbled together by committee yeah uh, you know for apple it's think different you can remember that and uh and they also have uh you know, they have an icon, an image that is pretty much uh, universal. So this was helpful for me in this regard. So from when I, the first company I was asked to do a strategic planning process, I gave, I think there were 16 in the room, and I gave each one a large drawing pad and some um, marker pens. And I said, each of you go to different parts of this building so you can't see the other. I'll give you five minutes and draw a picture of success in your business, what, what success looks like. And they came back and then we put it up on the wall. And of course, what, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but what yeah. did, uh, what stood out? They're all different. They're all different. And, and some markedly saw a couple weren't even a picture, learned something there. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But um, the point is they had a mission statement they all agreed on, but they imagined it in different ways. And so, you know, C.S. Lewis said it well that, Imagination is the organ of meaning. Imagination is where we, we discover the meaning of words. And so, for example, if I say to you, church, 
you know, there are, there are 10,000 different ways that especially American Christians imagine that word. Yeah. yeah. So don't need to talk anymore about that. But the point is, I, I put together strategic planning sessions that actually whittled away and got to the picture. Now, it's a fascinating thing, and I think um, Rome mentions it, especially if you get together with men. If you tell them to go draw a picture, the first thing they think is? I can't draw. I can't draw. So I learned I had to do a stick drawings, uh, stick person drawings for fun. I said, okay, first of all, grab that, uh, grab your pad right here in front of you, and I want you to draw a circle. Draw a circle. <laughs> I say, now I want you to draw a straight line. Great. Now I want you to draw a square. Great. I want all of you to stand up and look at the other and say, I can draw. I can really draw. And I said, you know, it's fascinating. When you were in kindergarten, you loved to draw and show your pictures to mommy and daddy when you got home. What in the hell happened to you people? <laughs> and I said, what you came through is the American educational system, which values answers, getting the right answer, over asking the, the right question. And so you are always trying to project, what is this game about? What are we trying to do here? Versus just being unedited. Now, the value in doing that, by the way, is picture drawing. If it's done set up properly, that is no explanation. Simply go draw a picture of success. The value in that is people are unedited. What does that mean? I mean, they're yeah, they're they're coming out with their their kind of raw thoughts the real i guess in this case the, the the truth the edited version is probably you know what the they believe the answer might or the the questioner might want to have as the answer but not always what the that's raw right. perception is that's right it's the you know the neuro neuroimaging shows that the moment you go into writing words your brain is self-editing yep. no it's not the right word that's the right word well here's the word we use we never use that word we all use this word when you are in picture drawing, you're more biasing your right hemisphere and you're being unedited. So when um, these 16 went to different places in the building and couldn't see the other others and what they were drawing, you're just drawing what you imagine. And a picture is worth... A thousand words. A thousand words. Now, now, there's, go ahead. I was going to say, is the unedited thing, is that is that come from... Dan Rome in his book, or is that sort of through the filter of Metzger and how you've read the book and connected? It's probably through the filter of McGilchrist and others. Now that I think about it, it, uh, yeah. So I think I learned that more from, uh, um, and also studying some of these uh, pretty innovative companies who do employ picture drawing for the same reason. Hmm. I mean, Aristotle said it well the soul never thinks without a picture. And so you have a picture that is actually a dormant or latent in your mind. Uh, a picture would be, for example, whoever's listening to this podcast, you, you have an image that is latent in your mind as to um, what your day is going to be like, um, what this podcast is going to be about. All these things, it's the same way if you get up in the morning, you have an image in your mind that you're not conscious of, that uh, your kitchen is there, your car is there. And these aren't on the uh, frontal lobe of your brain. Mm -hmm. They're buried in your memory. And so 
these pictures of how you navigate through life, whether or not you're pleased with life or shocked or disappointed or so on and so forth. So when you go to work, you have a picture also. Pictures. And so if Dan's point is you don't know your business, if you, if you can't draw it on a napkin, you don't right. know your business. Like obviously there are businesses that are operating that don't do this. Right. Um, what, what's his case to say you don't know your business or yeah. Well, why is, why is he making that argument? Yeah, it's a good point. The, uh, the reason he, he wrote the book and actually, uh, last time I ever read about his work, I mean, he's paid pretty exceptionally well for a one day session is that you draw these pictures to first discover, uncover all, un, un, uh, uncover all the disparate pictures that, uh, so for an organization, that they don't all imagine success in the same way. And um, what you can do then with a skilled facilitator is you begin to not only see the pictures, but you begin to see yourself. So with this first company I did this with, we then had to, I had to facilitate a series of conversations where you, without making a, having a person feel rejected, you actually uh, reject or eject the uh, drawing. And so in this case, you need, you need a fair sense, uh, you need a good sense of humor. Because I remember there were two or three, they drew an organizational chart. And so I could playfully say to the group, hey, look at this picture here. Now, what about this thing over here? By the way, is an organizational chart actually a picture? And everybody would go, no. And they say, okay, take that off the wall. And we weren't trying to point a finger at someone, but there are some people who uh, they have lost touch with what it means to draw pictures. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, so what you can do is skillfully, uh, you begin to see yourself in your organization. You, you have to come to this uh, sort of epiphany is uh, maybe we don't really know what business we're in. Then, by having them draw and redraw. So what we came up with was, and you try to limit the amount of words, because again, words are how we self-edit. And they're, they, they play catch-up to our uh, imagination. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we, we would then have them go and draw another picture. And uh, then it came back and we would whittle it down until you finally had this sort of group epiphany. That's the business we're in. And then as a facilitator, because they were interested in this case in increasing sales, I was able to come up with a parallel picture in the wider world that actually helped double their sales the next year. Now, when I say a parallel picture in the Bible, that's called a... Parable. Ah, ah. Parable is Greek meaning to throw alongside a picture alongside. So Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like right. oil or what have you. And so what you'd have is you go, oh, or seed or so and so forth. And you go, ah, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So I helped them come up with a parallel picture from the baseball world because most of their customers were uh, were middle-aged white guys who loved Budweiser and baseball. But they had to first come to a, a picture 
as to what business they're actually in. The upside also of a picture is that uh, it distills because a lot of people want to, they feel left out if it doesn't say everything about everything that a company or organization does. And that's just impossible to convey in one picture. You have to know essentially what you're about. Yeah. Well, it's funny because even in tech, I see this where I will read a document from an engineer that has tons of words to explain how this system connects with this system and this thing and that thing. Whereas in a very simple picture, even a technical engineering diagram is far more valuable. But I I almost laugh when I open these documents sometimes because there's just so much you have to chew. And, And what I've tried to explain before is we're using these words to try to get what's in my head, the picture that's in my head on the paper. So someone else can reform that picture in their head. Yeah. And it's comical that we think that's, that's effective. Well, we've been, we've been trained. Right. Right. And, uh, and then of course in the, uh, the more you head into the, uh, world of the Academy, uh, who are mostly academicians, write most of the books we study. They are famous for so piling on in every sentence so that they don't leave some sort of gap that some reviewer, uh, you know, uses as a breach in the wall to kind of knock down the whole argument. It's a, it makes for arduous reading sometimes because you're always qualifying what you're saying. You're saying, so the people did this, but you know, they didn't do it exactly that way. And they didn't for, for these reasons. They, and you pretty much soon you're lost as to what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. And so the power of a picture is, uh, is as simple as this. So most people don't know that, uh, uh, Bill Bright, who started what today is known as crew or campus crusade for Christ, uh, used to share his faith on the back uh, on a, tablecloth or a paper uh, paper tablecloth or a back of a napkin and friends said to him you know you always share the same thing why don't you put it in a booklet and so he put it in the four spiritual laws um but he would uh, it wasn't necessarily a picture but it was again he knew what business he was in and to his credit which does bring an interesting dynamic pet that's worth talking about that's not in the book but i've uh, learned over time paul said something in effect in romans 5 that the letter kills but the spirit gives life what do you mean by that this is this is one you and i have talked about but i still uh still haven't quite wrapped my head around but it's Mm -hmm. something you know when we write something down it, it loses the uh the, the effect of it or the, the heart behind it. That's right. So see, you're having trouble imagining. Yes. What it means. yes. There you go. Uh, it has the idea again that, um, that, well, that's exactly it. So the reason the power, the great central tenet of the faith is the word became flesh. Flesh is alive. You know, McGilchrist pokes at Western Christianity in his book, Master and His Emissary. He says that Western Christianity, Western Christianity has reversed the central tenet 
and now it's the flesh became word, which makes it lifeless. And in the same way, here's what I've learned in doing these exercises. The moment then you take that picture and you put it to print and you begin to hand out, it's already losing its life because the same group, the next group, doesn't go through the same discovery process. Put another way, the power of the Christian faith is the word is with God. The word is God, but the word became flesh. And so when you understand how the early church understood that, long before there's even scriptures, which weren't canonized till the third or fourth century, you see the power of a real person with whom you discover not only him, you discover love, you discover by yourself. And in the same way, so companies um, that have done well with this have discovered that, okay, we found this picture, we just, we uncovered this picture. And not unlike the Ten Commandments, which were powerful, but the moment that finger touched stone, they were etched in stone, they began to die because they have to be reinvigorated every day, much like Kathy and I have a marriage certificate. Uh, I know you and your wife have a marriage certificate. But that certificate is not what keeps the marriage alive. It's how you imagine what is codified on that certificate. And you have to spend the rest of your life constantly widening, reinvigorating, rejuvenating, the words on that certificate and the words you uttered to one another. You have to work to keep them alive. In the same way businesses, even they come up with a picture. Uh, so one of the companies I worked with out in the Midwest, we, well, I designed exercises so that every set of like roughly 35 employees we took through this discovery process, they too had the opportunity to draw pictures. And you have to do this for the rest of your, for the rest of your life in a business. And what you do is you can take aspects of the business and use the same approach. Because again, if you can't draw on the back of a napkin, what aspect of business, what this, what it means, then you don't know what business you're in. Well, do each of those groups come back to the same picture eventually? Do you do you guide that or with these exercises? Yeah, that's yeah, that's where uh, Dan makes the big bucks, and this is where a skillful facilitator mm. can facilitate it. Um, so, so the point is, um, the participants don't feel that they're being inevitably drawn to the same, but in fact, in following a facilitator they are they will arrive at roughly the same places um, it's not like jesus saying follow me and i'm sure that the followers felt like what an adventure for him he knew exactly where they were going and the good facilitators would do their homework ahead of time the difference with a good facilitator is 
you don't know what pictures are going to draw, but you can be pretty confident of this. They're not going to draw the same picture. Mm-hmm. And then you're off to the races. And then again, at the end of the time, what you do is you pull out napkins and say, okay, now take the back of a napkin and uh, you role play. And one person is having a business lunch and the other person is a customer and says, tell me what business you're in. Or tell me what your business is about. You pull out a napkin, hopefully not a cloth napkin at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, <laughs> and you draw the picture on the back. Hmm. Uh, one other thing that should be said, um, he used to tell people, oh, I don't know where I learned this, but you can't lead a charge if you think you look stupid on a horse. And so you, but what does this have with, what's that got to do with back in the napkin? Mm, yeah. If you're afraid of looking stupid for drawing on a napkin, then you're not yeah, going to have much. You're not good. That's right. So this is why I think what we've talked about and we try to impress upon our three listeners is the big issue today in the Western world is what is a human being and what defines a human being. And made in the image of God, we live in our imagination. We we are people who imagine all these things is where we draw meaning. And we have lost much of that in the Western world with this proliferation, this tsunami of words they come at us all day. And I'm, you know, that's how I make my living. I, my fingers hit a keyboard. I'm part of it. But never in the history of the world has so much been written to so little effect for the good of humanity. So I actually think you could save a whole lot of time and effort if your church, for example, your business, went through a simple series of exercises that uh, Dan Rome lays out in his book, Back in the Napkin, and uh, find a good facilitator. And I'll guarantee you this, you will learn a lot in the exercise. And if you get a good facilitator, you'll also discover what business you're actually in. 